Welcome to Coming Out and Beyond. This is a show about LGBTQIA plus stories. I am your host, Anne-Marie Zanzel, and I am a late bloomer to the queer world, and I work with people coming out later in life. I provide both individual coaching and mutual support groups. I have many different labels, including, but not limited to, queer, lesbian, mom, daughter, sister, friend, minister, and fiance to my lovely partner, photographer, Tonda McKay. I passionately believe in the power of storytelling to change the world. In the telling of our stories, we often can help another person to hear their own. Today, my guest is Pasha Marlowe. She holds a master's in marriage and family therapy and currently works as a therapeutic comedy coach and pleasure podcast host. Her recently published book is My Next Husband Will Be a Lesbian. Hi, Pasha. How are you today? <laughs> great, Anne-Marie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you. I have so many questions, but my first question is, tell me your story. <laughs> Thanks. Gosh. Um, first and foremost, I'm a, a very much mom. I'm a mom. Like if anybody were to say, like, who are you? What's your story? First and foremost, I'm a mom. That's what I feel in my heart today. Uh, a mom of three kids. I'm also uh, currently married to my husband, my second husband. Um, mm-hmm. I live in Maine in, in a very normal, seemingly kind of boring traditional lifestyle here mm-hmm. on a dirt road with a proverbial white picket fence and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like I've been more expansive in my thoughts in the last, well, probably 10 years, but really in the last two years, feeling like my truth about my sexuality was not uh, fully revealed in my marriage and it expanded beyond my marriage and what my marriage would, um, the constructs of my marriage. And so I did uh, come out as bisexual a couple of years ago, more openly mm-hmm. and publicly a year ago. Um, and then the book came out this past February. So February, 2021. So anybody who wasn't sure was then sure. Cause now it's in writing. Um, and, and it was a coming out story, mm-hmm. but also a story of, um, a paradox, you know, wanting to be in, a my marriage, wanting to stay, uh, living and married to my husband while parenting our, our youngest son and, um, and expressing all of my, sexual beliefs and sexual desires within uh, my heteronormative looking relationship. So that's very interesting. And you said a lot (laughs) in those, in that, in those couple of statements. So let's just talk a little bit about what was your awakening like? Like, like Mm -hmm. I'm getting, you're saying the last 10 years, it's interesting you use the the number 10 because it took me about 10 years to go from, realizing that I was not straight yeah, to actually, you know, doing the work of coming out because the choice is coming out. It's like, how are we going to manifest that? So how did you, you know, so for you, what was it for you? Like, what did like, did like, did you meet someone or did something happen or did you just... I, I wish I had met someone. I wish there was, I do not have any experience Mm -hmm. with a woman. I have a deep knowing and have for a long time that this is my orientation. Um, and I'm, I'm saying bisexual today, but some days I identify as lesbian. Some days I'm like, yeah, I feel pretty queer. And then some days I'm like, 
maybe I'm straight. I don't know. Like it's, I'm still really <laughs> in this space of, I'm like, can I be, can I, can I come out if I've never had an experience? And of course I coach people all the time say, no, you don't actually have to have a physical mm-hmm. experience as a knowing, but there's, there's that, that, you know, questioning side of my head that, um, that just wishes I had of that person, that catalyst person. Um, well, yeah, I came out without a cat, mm-hmm. like without a catalyst. And it was, mm-hmm. um, so now I look at it differently because when I came out, it was like, you, you know, like a lot of people, it's like, oh, I got to sleep with someone to make sure that I'm gay or, you know right. what I mean? And that's such a, a fallacy. Because you can, like, we don't tell heteronormative kids when they're 16, 17 years old and they want to sleep with the girlfriend or their boyfriend. We don't say, okay, you better, you better sleep with that boy or girl to make sure you're straight, you know? And so like I have, so even though when I finally did sleep with someone, it confirmed my knowing, Mm -hmm. I already knew, you know what I mean? I came out without that experience. Which- yeah. And I, and I guess I'm thinking not so much as like, I want to make sure, but that I just feel like I want to have the experience. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like, oh, I feel like my, a part of myself has not been expressed yet. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in my first marriage, I came out to him as again, uh, bisexual. And I want, we had a conversation about having an open relationship we kind of stumbled into a swinging type party one night and that actually evolved into me having a connection with another man and this was Mm -hmm. at the end of my marriage and I was like well that's surprising I I thought for sure I would welcome the opportunity to be with a woman but it wasn't who I was connecting with on any emotional or spiritual level and so that confused me for a while because I I thought oh well if I had the opportunity I didn't um, take myself up on it, then, then maybe that means something. But now I'm realizing it just as you're saying, it's just that person was not attractive to me physically mm-hmm. or emotionally. Um, then I think the coming out became more like a restlessness inside of me, a, a feeling that I was not telling the truth to myself, a feeling of needing to um, hide my, my, and verbalize my desires during intimacy with my current husband. I felt like my head was in a different, whole different fantasy space than what my my mouth and my body were saying. Like I was, I was not fully telling the truth. Um, and that started to feel really disconnected. And so much so that within the last year of my marriage, we, I've tabled intimacy and sex. Like we don't have any, um, any intimacy. And I need that space for myself to be as open and expansive within my mind and as safe as possible, because I didn't like feeling like I was battling with myself all the time. Mm-hmm. And my mm-hmm. husband is um, very patient and graciously offering me that, that space and has agreed to, to know um, intimacy until I'm ready. If I'm ready ever. Mm-hmm. Have you guys opened up your marriage? Are you um, uh, polyamorous? Nope. No. We have talked about it. Um, of course, COVID makes it a little bit messy. I have mm-hmm. said out loud, if, if there wasn't COVID and, and I met somebody who I felt safe and connected to, I would like mm-hmm. to explore that. Would that be okay? Is this something that you'd be open to? And he said, yes, as long as it's a woman, that's an interesting boundary that, that, um, that we've set where he's comfortable perhaps with me, um, 
exploring. Um, hold on, Pasha. My, my phone went off. Okay. Uh, don't worry. I will, I will cut this out. <laughs> I, I don't have an editor, so you're fancy. Yeah, I'm going to grab my phone and turn it off. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it, I, I meant to turn my phone off. So I will, I will do this. Um, I remember where we were. Okay, good. So, <laughs> oh no, where were we? Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, we have not opened up our relationship formally. Mm -hmm. I have said out loud that if COVID were not a thing and it wasn't, you know, risking my life uh, to explore that I would like to explore mm -hmm. um, sex with a woman if I found a woman I felt safe with and intimately, you know, and emotionally connected with. And our boundary is if, if that opportunity comes, he would be open to it and, and we'd have to, you know, talk about it again and with mm -hmm. consent mm -hmm. and conversation. So that was about a year ago. Um, but I have not. I've not mm -hmm. had the opportunity, um, nor found anybody I would be interested in pursuing that with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A so, lot in my head. <laughs> Very active mind. That's where it is right now. So tell me a little bit about this book that you've just released. You released it back in February and um, tell me about it. Yeah, it's it started as this this title was in my head. My next husband will be a lesbian. It was like a calling in my head. And I kept hearing it. And anytime I said it out loud in a group of women, they're like, oh my gosh, me too. And it was this sense of, okay, are we saying that because we actually feel like we're lesbian? Like we want to be a lesbian? Or are we saying it because we're just sick of men and patriarchy and penises are gross? Like, what are we saying here? Mm -hmm. And so we'd have these very open conversations about, do we want a, um, do we want a relationship with a woman or are we feeling a sense of lack in our marriages? And the women I would spoke to who ended up contributing to the book felt like their sexuality was in fact more expansive than what their uh, marriage constructs would allow. And they wanted to name it, even if they wanted to stay in their marriage, even if they didn't wanna come out to their friends or their family or their children, they wanted to come out in some way because it was their truth. So for a lot of women, um, including me in that book, it was a coming out story. It's the first time it was written. It was the first mm -hmm. time it was public at all. And so um, probably half of the women in that book, that was their first time coming out. And then for the other uh, half of the women, it was, uh, they had already come out. Some of them were coming out in childhood, some of them later in life, uh, but they still wanted it to be their truth known. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to be heard. They felt like because of, um, religious uh, traumas or sexual traumas, they felt like they had been quieted in some portions of their life and they wanted a safe way to put it out there into the universe and the world that this is what they feel. So for some of them, they used uh, nicknames or pseudonyms, mm -hmm. just initials. And for some women, they, they used their, their real name. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What's the, can't, without sharing names and protecting people's anonymity, what's the best story What's the best story in the book? The one that I love the most is called Spatula Moments, which is a chapter about a woman who who finally came out to her husband and to her children, and her, and her youngest is a teenager now, and they're shopping, and she's realizing 
that she needs to get another spatula. And she's like, oh, I need to get another of everything. Like the whole idea of breaking up a marriage and then starting anew and creating a whole new life. And, mm-hmm. and it was coming down to these tiny moments that were heartbreaking and liberating. Like I can pick out my own spatula um, and I need a spatula and, oh, I'm never going to use that spatula. You know, I'm never going to wake up and make eggs with my husband again, even though this is what I'm choosing. It's still a loss and like the old future is gone. And, um, and, and, you know, losing time with her, her child in, in the new custody arrangement. Um, so it just, it really, it really spoke to me as a mama. I've, I've had a divorce and a co-parenting situation. So I'm very sensitive to that. And she just did it really beautifully and in a humorous way too, um, that she coined this term spatula moments of when you're like standing in target going, <gasps> Like I need my own blender now or whatever it is, fill in the blank, you know? Uh, we need our own toilet plunger now. We have to get double everything. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and then I think she was doing that with her husband at the time and how that was really bittersweet. Yeah, those moments are bittersweet. Mm. So tell me a little bit about, you're a comedy coach? <laughs> what, are, what are you, what, okay, what kind of coach are you? And what do you do? I call it therapeutic comedy because I'm blending my background as a marriage and family therapist with my desire for people to have a platform to speak their mind. Mm -hmm. I like doing it through the lens of humor because it lightens the load a little bit. It's it's dark. Some of the places we hold our shame and traumas. And so rather than processing them in a more traditional way, like I did with therapy, I'm finding it so much more fun and liberating and honestly revealing to do it through the lens of humor and comedy. So the the comedy programs that I lead, we end with a live comedy show and women are telling their deepest stories of truth and heartache, but through hilarity and, and it's transformative. I, it's so much fun. And, um, and I love, I love when they start to reframe and alchemize stories that, that brought them to places of like a heavy, dark, sad, shameful space. And now they're taking their power back. Um, and telling the stories in a completely different light. It's that's beautiful to me. So do you do it over like a weekend or do you do it as a group? How do you do this? Because I think that would be our later in life community often have a lot of stories of trauma. Oh yes. Shame. Almost everyone, everyone I've ever met has grown up in some sort of chaotic home. And I think everything contributes and builds upon to um, keep people in the closet or keep people from claiming their truth for a very long time. So how do you like, how do you do that? Because I, I know a lot of people that might appreciate what you do. Yeah, I have done workshops um, most recently with a group of nurses and healthcare workers who are dealing with obvious trauma right now. And that's more in like a three or four hour workshop. But mm-hmm. the roar with laughter program I do is over eight weeks because I there's a lot of processing and a lot of breaking down of old stories. And um, so we move from rupture to rapture over these eight weeks and we learn to rewrite our stories. And then I also teach uh, comedic writing and technique. We do improv games. We have a whole week or two devoted to pleasure where we... I'll, I'll use the word vulva just because it's more universal. Um, like our vulva, what would our vulva say to us? And like write a poem or a song or a rap or something like a comedic routine of like from the perspective of our vulva. Um, what does she have to tell us? What does she, what does she want to teach us? 
Um, so we have a whole week about that. So there's a lot of reclamation of our of our power and our desire. Sexuality always comes up. Religious and sexual trauma always comes up. Like there's themes that are consistent. Body shame always comes up. And mm-hmm. so the end result eight weeks later, uh, typically in this is a comedy show that's bringing people to, to laughter and tears. And it's this brutal- I'm sort of thinking of the vagina monologues. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Vagina monologues meets like menopause, the musical, cause it's heavy material, but then it's done in a, in a more lighthearted way, um, through the improv games. And then the about three to four minute routines, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're out there by yourself telling your story, it's, it's liberating. So I'm so intrigued by this. Do you do this online or do you do it? Um, yeah, do you do it, uh, in person live. I had reserved a theater, um, in February, 2020. So that automatically went to, um, season two on, and now we're entering season eight online zoom zoom comedy show <laughs> so your 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 people meet for eight weeks on zoom yes and get, oh that is amazing I would love for you to I as many people know I have a secret group on Facebook I would love for you to offer for that because I think that would be a, a, a wonderful and really really healing you yes. know for people yeah, well, and I there's be- I think I think it's a great way to approach it I really do I did a, I did a, I think it was season four. It was all LGBTQIA. It was like the only people who were allowed in the program that, that season. Um, and the stories of, as you just mentioned, like they never have, I talked to somebody who didn't have a really hard road to get to the place if they're coming out, but then they did it through song and puppetry and hilarity. And it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Uh, and, and the one woman sang, um, instead of Amazing Grace, she sang Amazing Gaze, and she mm-hmm. changed all the lyrics. And, um, I, and I get goosebumps thinking about her because um, now that's her song. Like that's, you mentioned, what's her coming out song? Like that's her theme song. And so she took a song that, um, that didn't necessarily have a lot of uh, sense of freedom and liberation to it at, at, in her childhood. And now she's reframed it, which is just one of many examples of how you can do that. And now that's her like coming out, like, look at me song. So do you have these online? Can you people watch them? I made montages of each season. I don't have the full show available to public because the sensitivity and confidentiality yeah. issues. Yeah. And so the shows are by invitation or private, like you could say, I want to, I want to come to the show and I'm going to be happily giving a link to anybody who's listening to this, but we don't want, let's say for instance, our, um, our moms maybe, or our bosses <laughs> or our husbands to stumble across the show because they're the punchline. Like we need the space to, um, make fun of them if it might help if it helps right if it helps if it serves us and we don't do self-deprecating humor and we're not bullying or roasting anybody um but sometimes we do take our power back and our abusers are often in the routine right yeah but we don't want them to just show up at the show so i can get you the video no problem to you or anybody in your group who wants it um yeah because i think that's really really extremely helpful to tell like so i've been doing support groups for a long time and to be able to get to the part of being able to talk about shame the the group has to be together for yes weeks 
Yes. They have to know each other and they have to trust each other. And so it takes a really long time. And I do think I have like, I listen, listen to the moth all the time. So, you know, the moth is a storytelling hour and on PBS or or, excuse me, NPR and, and you can get it as podcast. And, um, some of those stories are so vulnerable and so brave and some, and like trauma all over it, but also hilarious. So like telling those stories in a comedic way, I'm sure it's really, it reframes it. It, it completely does. And, and our show is far more like the moth than a stand-up routine. Like stand-up routine is like set up, punchline, set up, punchline. But this is far more comedic storytelling, much like you would see on the moth. Um, because we, we, we need to say more than just, uh, you know, one-liner. It's mm-hmm. it really, often it's telling a story and then the tension. Did you ever see um, the Hannah Gatsby Netflix special? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's similar. You know, she purposely builds tension because it's necessary because there's heartache there and trauma and then she releases it through a joke so it's more like that and that's mm-hmm. the style that most people have turned to uh, in in the group so that's fascinating you do a lot of cool things how about your podcast tell me about that i love podcasting it's called let pleasure be the measure and my guests are either talking about sexuality, including polyamory and threesomes and how to find the unicorn and really saucy, juicy topics, which are super fun. But I also have this side of me that's ADHD and really intrigued with play and how we can reframe our mind through the lens of humor and play. Mm-hmm. And then the third theme, I know it sounds very scattered, but to me, it's all under the lens of pleasure because whatever lights me up, but I'm also parenting a chronically ill child. And, and that's a huge theme in my life and how to bring pleasure into the days that are really hard. Um, whether you have an illness or caring for somebody with an illness or you have fear or trauma, like there's days that are just really hard to get through. So sprinkling the pleasure into those days is life-saving. And so that's a lot of what I talk about in the Mm -hmm. podcast too. Mm -hmm. And um, it's called Let the Pleasure Be the Measure. Let let pleasure be the measure. Let pleasure be the measure. Okay. So I also know that um, you have a secret Facebook group for people who are planning to, that they're in the midst of coming out. Yes. um, Either as bi or as lesbian or as uh, whatever. And, um, but also planning at this point to stay married. So what are some of the issues you see in there? What is it, what are some of the struggles and how do the, how does the group support each other? Yeah, yeah, the the group, it's now about a year and a half old. It's called Bite Out of Life and it's a secret group. So it's impossible to find um, throughout without an invite. And most of the, I think everybody started as um, somebody in marriage and maybe half have now transitioned out of their marriage and um, some have moved in um, and start a relationship with women and some just decided that they wanna be on their own. But the common theme is like, am I still a good person? Like I'm, you know what I mean? Am I still, is this okay that I have these expansive thoughts? Is, am I still an ethical, loyal woman slash wife slash mother? If I want to explore polyamory, am I still a good Christian? Am I still a good, um, there's all these themes of like, am I, am I 
good enough? Or should I be holding, um, I'm holding shame and guilt around it, but why? Um, this comes up a, a lot and it's an interesting, it's an interesting space to hold. But like you said, it's all now this small group, safe and empathetic space, mm -hmm. these about a hundred women now, um, who really have a lot to say and they think a lot more than they say out loud and they want a space where they can safely express it. So sometimes people are just posting like, I had a dream last night. I just want to tell somebody about mm -hmm. it. Like, I'm never going to tell anybody else in my life, but and then they're like, is this okay? Um, and then there's, and then there's people saying, you know, I, I'm, think I'm going to have a conversation with my husband. Finally, what words do I use? Like, how do I even approach him with this idea of my sexuality? How do I tell my, my four-year-old and how is that going to be different than talking to my 14 year old? And so a lot of navigating conversations, conversation starters, um, mm -hmm. that, that comes up a lot. Um, and then women coming on and sharing their first experiences. Yeah, <laughs> usually blown away. <laughs> oh, the, 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 um, the words I'm never going back come up a yes. lot. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yes. I understand. I think that was like the, yeah, the first time I slept with my partner, that was it. I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> done with men. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's so funny because I feel like that experience will happen for me one day. Um, and right now there's just, it's my, my, my life isn't in, inviting that, uh, in right now. So, um, it gives me something to look forward to. Yes, it does. It does. And then you'll have to come back on the show and tell me. <laughs> I mean like 70. Oh my God. <laughs> I, one of the things I joke about in the comedy is like, oh my gosh, by the time this happens and my like labia's fallen down between my thighs and I can't like see my parts because everything's like saggy and dropping. I'm like, what is like, will anybody want me still? Like that, you know, we just put it out there. We're like, who's going to want me to, for the first time, like, you know, and, and how do you even find these women? And um, yeah, it's, it's, well, I coming on shows like this. <laughs> great. great. <laughs> and somebody knows somebody and they say, Oh, she's very pretty. Pasha's very pretty. If you're listening to this on, uh, on, on a podcast, but, but I do a very loose labia. <laughs> at TMI, honey, TMI. <laughs> that can be loose. Other things need to be tight and we move on. <laughs> Got it. Got it. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> so to wrap up, I, I'm really fast. So, you know, we will have all Pasha's information so that if you want to, you know, contact her about any of the things she does from her podcast to her, um, uh, uh, what's it called? Your, your coaching, yeah. your coaching through humor. You can yeah. reach out to her. Um, so any book or movie that really like like really changed your perspective on things and it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be about your sexuality oh okay because i mean if it was about my sexuality i would do the um contrived untamed really rocked my world um like oh like the whole like so did, I wanted you, did you read untamed before or I read during and then at the end of chapter one i set up that bite out of life group i was like oh 
I need, I need a group and I couldn't find one. And that's the entrepreneur in me. I'm like, well, then I'm making one. Like all the, all this in an hour, like chapter one, I need a group go online. Oh, can't find one for people who are already married. Or well, you know why? Because they're all secret. <laughs> that's probably true. That's probably My true. My group is secret too. I mean, I okay. have uh, 1100 women in there, but it's wow. secret. So people can't find it unless they know me or because my, my group is very similar to Pasha's. It's just bigger right now. And, yeah. and not everybody's married. So there's all people. Are, and you're, what happens with our later in life groups is that they start with people being married, but as people continue on the journey, exactly. There is, there is, you know, there's changes, you know, yes. and then they look for other groups and stuff like that. Most of the women in my group are probably also part of your group and vice versa. Yeah. There's a few yeah, like vice versa. Later in life lesbian group and there's so many out there. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, we report back and forth. Uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's funny. Um, so, so untamed really did, um, open me up to this idea, um, uh, of it's, it, it's possible later in life to really just start over. Um, it's always a liberating read, but for me personally, outside of untamed, um, a man's search for meaning keeps coming up. Um, Victor Frankl, he wrote about the Holocaust and one particular passage in there was like that the people who survived it survived it because they were able to find um, laughter in community. Mm -hmm. And it really struck me, um, especially as I was again, parenting a, a very sick child, like how do people survive traumas and tragedies? How do people continue to keep up their hope and their spirit um, and energy to continue to keep themselves and their loved ones alive and engaged in the world? And so I go back to that passage in that book often. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think that most of our life um, is finding meaning out of out of things that are tragic and things that are wonderful and it, it keeps us going, you know, it truly does. I worked in hospice for a long time and um, I found that people that were the happiest at the end of their life often had worked really hard to make meaning out of what has happened to them and what has occurred, you know? So I agree with you wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. So do you have a coming out song? <laughs> Mine's funny. Um, Bonnie rates. Let's give him something to talk about. <laughs> I sang that How on, appropriate. Yeah, I sang that on stage right before coming out to myself and my husband. Um, f uh, fall of 2019, I sang it on stage. Like wanted to be a rock star for a day. Had a live band, everything. Put on a cowboy hat and some boots and a really cute dress. Showed my cleavage for the first time forever. And um, and I sang that song and I threw my hat in the audience and I just like I'm like oh. Oh, I, I am sexy. I, there's still fire in me. And I was like almost screaming through the song. And I realized that I was, I realized at that moment that I needed to come out. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? You have a moment like that. I had one like that as well, where I, I was preaching. I'm a, I've preached before and I was preaching a sermon that I had preached before, like as a straight woman, it was a really supportive sermon in my church about supporting the queer community and I preached it before as a straight woman and then within the three months I had started to come out and I but I still preached the sermon like I was straight and yeah. I knew right after that sermon was done I was like I can never preach another sermon again as a straight like at, at like pretending to be straight because I'm not and so that was like a real moment I felt like 
afterwards, I felt like, oh my God, like I can't do this again. And so I never have again. Wow. <laughs> so that was like five years ago. I was like, I'm, I'm never going to preach anything. Like I am straight. It was like, it was a moment. It was one of those moments. Right. And a whole new voice came. Yeah. Yeah. It was really important. It was really important. It changed things. So your life today, Pasha, how would you describe it? It sounds incredibly full to me. Um, how would you describe it? Mm-hmm. It's, um, I, I will use Glennon's word, beautiful. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I mean, my work is pleasure and humor and I believe it and I live it and I'm trying to be my own best client. Um, and, and every day there is sorrow and heartache and grief and fear um, because mm-hmm. of my son's illness. And so I'm holding space for uh, pain and pleasure and darkness and light and death and living all at the same breath every day, it feels like. And so brutal, brutal feels accurate. You know, I always talk about this journey um, and I'm talking about coming out and I can only imagine caring for a, a chronically ill child. It's the, it's holding um, opposites. It's holding two things that are exactly opposite. Like, like for me, my coming out journey was holding grief and joy at the same time. Yes. And how do you hold both? You know, so I, that is the work. That's the work I do every day in the book. I think I said, I don't even identify I, some days it doesn't feel enough to say bisexual, queer, lesbian, or straight, whatever I'm feeling at that moment. It's like, I'm a paradox. Like I'm sitting here, like holding my kid's hair while he vomits while I'm thinking about my sexuality. Like, what is that? How can you do that in the same breath? You know? And yet that's me. I am full of abundance and, um, and desire and heartache, uh, all at once. Right. And so mama bear and like sexy person in cowboy hat are, are the same. <laughs> I know that's pretty amazing. Pasha, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with me today and spending some time with me. You're delightful and it's been wonderful to talk to you. And I can't wait to see where all of this takes you because I think it's going to take you far. Thank you. I will report back to you with okay. exciting news. <laughs> Well, I could make a very inappropriate joke now, but I will not. Oh, I'm thinking of any. I'm thinking of any. <laughs> All righty. Thank you.